I need to be able to do this. Like I'm not this level. I don't think that I'm worthy to be a manager. Who am I to tell someone else what they should do or shouldn't do? Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Harold. And this is You'll Manage. That was Charlene. And what she said really struck a chord with a lot of us who, you know, were first time managers. And we felt that same fear and anxiety of this new journey that no one is helping us with. Honestly, it's a fear and anxiety you still feel sometimes today as a manager. And I mean, that's definitely why you and I, Jenny, have been working on this podcast. It's an extension of the conversations we always have as we're working our way through learning new aspects of being a manager and how to how to be the best manager we can. Yeah, and Charlene is the perfect guest to kind of bring us back to those early days because she herself is a fresh manager. I think she's only been a manager for less than a year. And um, even from this conversation, I feel like we're still learning as well. And we're learning a lot from her, um, even as she goes through the early stages of her new managerial journey. And when she spoke with us, she really talked about something that I think we all experience as well, the the struggle going from an individual contributor to a people manager. And I think it's particularly relevant for those people who become people managers almost because they were excellent individual contributors, they're stars at what they do, and then they're asked to take on more responsibility. And in some ways, it's harder because you are excelling at something, you're excelling at your hard skill, your your specialty. And then now you've been thrown into something that you feel like you have no expertise at all. And the contrast is is tough to deal with sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's a huge mindset change. And um, listeners will will see that um, once they listen to this episode, just how in such a short amount of time, that learning curve, the way she thought about being a manager completely shifted um, in just this past year. So without further ado, let's start chatting with Charlene. So those of you who are dedicated listeners, which I'm sure all of you are, will remember that um, in episode nine, we actually spoke with a Charlene as well, Charlene Lee. But today we're speaking with Charlene Leung. They're both product managers, coincidentally. And we're excited to have Charlene Leung on the show today. Welcome, Charlene. Um, maybe you can tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Hi, so my name is Charlene. I am originally from Boston. I moved to California about 11 years ago, and I started working at uh, various startups in LA, primarily in advertising technology. I've been working for about 11 years now, and currently I am a group product manager at a company called YLopo. They're a startup that specializes in real estate uh, marketing digital technology. And so, um, yeah, I've joined that company in August 2020, and I've been there uh, since then. So Charlene and I got reconnected a couple months ago because she recently got promoted um, from an individual contributor to a people manager. And she reached out because I'm also in the product management field and she felt that you know there's not many females in this field that she could reach out to and really, really talk about becoming a manager. So um, Charlene, why don't you share kind of what were the things that kind of spurred you to kind of reach out and talk to people um, once you became a new manager? What were you going through? Um, that you felt you needed help on? Yeah, I mean, I've been in IC throughout my whole career and um, kind of becoming a manager is just going into unknown territory for me. Um, I just don't really have much previous experience to draw from and uh, certainly wanted to reach out to those who've been managers for some time. I guess also built a, build a network of support as I go through this journey. Um, at that time, when I was reaching out to you, I was... Yeah, just going through a lot of uncertainty 
Were there any um, specific things you were you were particularly nervous about? I went through this identity crisis at the very beginning when I saw myself as an individual contributor for a very long time, and how I defined my own output was tangible things that I could see, like writing out requirement documents and working with engineering and outputting a product, and then suddenly not having an individual product or project to work on with engineering and and instead my role being you know managing others and hiring and mentoring others those are certainly a different set of skill sets that I didn't have to use in the past or nor nor did I learn I had struggled with identifying what my new output would be or my my measures of success would be as a manager compared to uh, when I was an individual contributor. Uh, just going back to nine months ago when you first came into this role, your, your first time people manager, um, something you did then, something you thought then, that changed over the last nine months. I thought I needed to behave a certain way as a new manager. I had certain beliefs drawn from how I saw my previous managers behaved and acted. So for example, I thought that being a manager meant I needed to be more objective, definitely very professional, a little bit detached, don't talk about too much about my personal life or myself or my struggles, put more focus on them. I realized that that was actually causing more problems than than I thought it would. I wanted my team members to be safe in vocalizing their challenges, asking for help, and open to sharing their thoughts and ideas, especially because I also know that you know, I have maternity leave coming up next year and I'm not going to be at the company for three months. And so I want the team to be able to lean on each other in my absence and not have to rely on those one-on-ones to get feedback and coaching. But by being objective and a little distant, I didn't feel like I was able to form relationships with my team. There's a particular team member on my team who is more challenging than others. She's a bit cold. When I first hired her, uh, very cold, you ask her questions, she gives you one word answers. Uh, you try to dig more and she, she feels a little like just very distant. And so I was thinking through like, how do I kind of build this more relaxed environment, this, this environment in which people could kind of share and be open and not be afraid to vocalize and say that they don't, they don't feel 100% competent or they don't feel 100% secure and they, they need help. That was one thing that like just I wasn't being I wasn't able to build relationships with them by just being distant. And the other thing was I was having imposter syndrome as well. One of the initial beliefs that I had going into manager was also believing that I needed to be confident or showcase confidence in leading as well as showcase confidence in practicing the craft, which is product management. Basically kind of earning my right as a manager. I felt that I needed a certain level of expertise or a certain level of kind of, you know, experience before I could teach others. I didn't feel that I could live up to it. And it was also causing imposter syndrome. Like I, I didn't feel confident in leading, but I was trying to pretend I was. There were certain aspects of product management that I've never done before in my past career. And yet I'm advocating for my team to go in that direction. And also just kind of you know, trying to exuberate that confidence and, and make it sound like I, I've done things like th- that before was also creating a lot of discomfort in myself. 
So those are the two big problems that, you know, this these initial beliefs kind of caused. Those imposter syndrome thoughts, as well as not being able to cultivate the relationships and the environment that I wanted to for my team. So I had to kind of rethink my own beliefs. And um, one thing is like, I, I drew a lot of these beliefs from my previous managers. I had a manager that I, I really look up to. You know, I thought about how I interacted with him when he was my boss. And this was like nine years ago. And kind of he was objective and he was very professional. He knew all the answers. And so that, that he was became my mental model as a, as a manager. And it so happened that my company was gracious enough to hire him to kind of be a mentor and a consultant for me to go to when, you know, going through these difficult times. And I've spoken to him about a lot of these things. I realized that I actually, you know, my memories of him is kind of in a time capsule. It, it was frozen in time nine years ago when he was a manager. And since then, he has learned a lot. And there's a lot of books out there talking about being vulnerable to your you know, to your direct reports and, and actually how fruitful that is in building trust and rapport. And he read a lot of those books since then, and he has actively tried to be more open and be more vulnerable. I realized like, oh, okay, like, yeah, my ideals and beliefs that came from when he matched me nine years ago is actually outdated because he doesn't behave like that anymore either. Um, so that was one thing that kind of shifted Another thing is like, you know, all my managers in the past, they're all a lot older than me. They had a lot more lived experiences than me as well, which then led to them being able to, you know, showcase more knowledge and showcase more of their experience. And, you know, my thoughts of like, oh, I need to be able to also show confidence in leading or be able to show my knowledge and all these things. It's actually not a fair apples to apples comparison because I'm a new manager. This is my first time. Versus my old managers, they've they've done it, you know, for a few years then. So I think I also kind of learned that I just need to cut myself some slack. I used to try to emulate particular styles of my old manager. And then I realized this just isn't me. I'm not as confident. <laughs> this is new for me. And I'm just going to be raw and honest about that. And so that's where this idea of like, okay, I can and I should be vulnerable because I've, you know, heard so many things about how that can really build that trust between you and your team. But I still had a mental block. I still was really worried about mixing vulnerability and incompetence. I didn't want to come off as, you know, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> and have and cause them to feel worried that like, oh man, my, my, my boss doesn't know what she's doing. For a certain period of time, I was struggling between how do I show vulnerability to my team, but also still be perceived as competent in, in which I could earn their respect? And ultimately, I realized that as long as at the end of every statement in which I said, I don't know, followed by, but we're going to figure this out. We're going to come up with a plan. I'm confident that we're going to learn. By adding that piece I felt that I was able to gain confidence in my team, even though I just acknowledged that I didn't, I don't know the path. Um, and I say it with like, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do this. This is my first time, but we're going to go figure this out together. And at this point, I also invite them to collaborate with me so that we're co-creators. And then they feel like they have a stake in it as well. And they also feel accountable 
in this, you know, figuring it out process. And that has been very, very helpful in building relationships with them. I feel that they are very invested in the things that I kind of preach for and things that I ask for because I I don't have all the answers and I'm relying on them to help me. What were the signs that appear to you um, that you realized, wow, me being vulnerable is actually working? So back to the particular team member who I said was very closed off, kind of cold. It was very difficult for me to draw much information from her, how she was feeling, how she was doing at work. Either in one-on-ones with her or in group settings, I was started to just talk more candidly and talk about things that I didn't know or like, yeah, like I feel like this is what we should be doing, but I'm not really sure how we get there. And I'm looking for feedback. And I also share my own challenges or struggles or even my own journey. Like, oh yeah, like, you know, I've definitely experienced that before. And eventually I felt that in my one-on-one conversations with her, there was actually a, a turning point with her. Like her tone started to be a lot more conversational. She's a bit more open. There was one particular milestone that I remember was she had openly admitted to me in a one-on-one setting, but also in a group setting, how she she felt that she was keenly aware that she she just didn't feel like she was doing well in her job and in her role. And the fact that she openly admitted that to me, as well as to the team, was a very vulnerable act, which is not something that I would have thought she would have done. Um, you know, had I not also showed some of my own vulnerabilities. By being more vulnerable, that kind of took away my original beliefs of just being objective and just detached. Also by being vulnerable, you know, I had to tell personal stories. So I basically just opened up myself much more than I initially did with my team members. And I felt that the more that I did, the more that they started sharing things about themselves. Now, I feel like I have a really good relationship with a lot of them. I feel that they share a lot of very personal information that I have never would have thought or even experienced with previous colleagues. Um, We would go a lot deeper than surface level conversations, which is what I was used to as an IC. And through mentoring and managing these team members, we really get into like psychology, sometimes like childhood and how their childhood plays into who they are today and why they value certain things. So some some examples are, so in my weekly meeting, we would start off with like a one minute per person, talk about how you're feeling. How are you feeling physically, emotionally? Are you stressed? Are you, um, you know, are, are you feeling discomfort, uncomfortable, whatever, whatever it is. You get a minute on the floor to just talk about how you're doing to the rest of the team. So that's that's one part. And then later on in the meeting, there's a section. So I stole this concept from my husband's company, but he calls it brain trust. So I labeled it the same thing for my team. This is a segment in which any individual can come forth with a particular challenge or struggle that they have and ask for feedback, ask for help. And just know that it's a safe zone and no questions are, are you know, dumb questions. We have 40 minutes set aside. This is, you know, now open floor for anyone who wants to talk about challenges. And so we'll have, you know, last week we had a product manager kind of come forth and talk about how he was having trouble figuring out KPIs for his product. 
and he needed the team to kind of help brainstorm and think through it. And so that was that was an example. You know, another product manager had mentioned how every time she interviews customers, our customers think she's tech support because <laughs> they don't they don't know what a product manager is. So she's just like, oh, like how do I you know reset expectations or how do I address the fact that they think I'm tech support and I'm trying to ask them some other questions. I specifically wanted to create this ritual because when I'm gone, mm-hmm. I want them to be able to have this segment here to talk about challenges and, and kind of lean on the team. So I'm like, I need to start cultivating that now. If I were a about to become a new manager, I was an IC, what advice would you give to me? Honestly, I set myself with a lot of high expectations and that has led to a lot of sleepless nights because I put myself at such a high pedestal thinking like, I need to be able to do this. Like I'm not this level. I don't think that I'm worthy to be a manager. Who am I to tell someone else what they should do or shouldn't do? I had a lot of those thoughts as a manager in the very beginning. And ultimately nobody ever said to me, Charlene, you're not doing well. Nobody had said that to me. It was all in my head. And actually another insight that I learned is when I have these one-on-ones with my team members and you you hear them talk about what's consuming them and what their biggest fears are. And a lot of it is about perception. Like, oh, like, am I being perceived a certain way? Like, am I taking too much of the spotlight? Do you think that I hurt her feelings? Do you think I stepped on her toes? And in reality, all these other folks don't really, like that didn't even cross their minds. Like everybody is so focused on themselves that you you think that like there's all this attention about you and this all the scrutiny on you and there actually isn't. And and there's actually a term called, I think this called spotlight effect is an actual term. We think people notice us. We think people notice us more than they actually do. You know, back to like, I had put so much expectations for myself thinking I'm not doing well, that I'm failing. But really, in reality, probably nobody is even paying attention to me on that. It's just all in my head. As I see all of my, you know, my team members, they're, it's all in their head. They think that I thought of, like, I would have had a conversation with a team member for an hour. And then he would spend the next two hours thinking how he came off in that meeting, worried that he came off too pretentious or, or too, you know, like, I don't know, just overstepping boundaries. And I didn't even have a thought about it. It didn't even cross my mind, but it concerned so much energy of his. So I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it's just cutting yourself some slack. You know, the the book that I was reading, you know, she just kept saying, you're a first time manager. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have some very awkward moments with your team members. You're going to make team members feel, feel angry and upset for a period of time. But that's all normal because you're, you're new to this, right? You've never done this before and you're going to make mistakes. And I kind of took that one step beyond and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to make mistakes, but how can I not let those mistakes or kind of, you know, like let my thoughts kind of linger around those mistakes and let it eat me up. And I've come to the conclusion that as long as I learn from those mistakes, I walk away with a couple insights to help inform what I'm going to do better next time. Once I get to that point, I will just openly just let go. Like just let go of that mistake. It's now in the past. There's nothing I can do. I learned from it. Move on. 
And so that's what I do now. So then I don't, it doesn't keep me up at night thinking and twisting and turning and, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. You know, recently I had a very uncomfortable one-on-one with one of my team members. I had to give negative feedback and she did not take it very well. If I was my earlier self as a manager, that would have consumed me. I would have been up all night thinking about how much discomfort I I caused in someone else. But recently, again, I just kind of applied like, okay, well, uh, could that feedback session have been better? Yes, it could have been better. But could I have completely prevented the outcome of her not taking it so well? Probably not. Like I have no control over her emotions and the way that she sees things. So let's just focus on what I could have done better in terms of delivering the feedback. And then I'm like, okay, the next time I, I'm going to do a bit better on these things. And then once I came to kind of those, you know, couple key insights, I just kind of let it go. I'm like, okay, it is what it is. I'm just going to, you know, wait till the next time I talk to her and um, and and address it with her. I just want to say that it's amazing the growth mm-hmm. that just like it's, it was like a huge change from <laughs> what she was doing before and then nine and then you know nine months later and I feel like Charlene you actually proactively reach out to mentors and you're proactive about identifying you know your mistakes and and developing yourself and I just feel like oh that's so amazing in nine months you can go from completely kind of new manager and you know we all still feel we don't know what we're doing, but then when we look back, it's like, wow, we we actually, you know, kind of have a sense of what our management style is and and what works and and what doesn't. And I think that's kind of the core of why we're doing this. It's like we we always continuously learn from each other. And even though Harold and I have been managers for a while, I feel like even in this conversation, I'm learning from you um, as well. And you know, it takes me back to those early days. I'm like, oh, I I I need to do that again, right? Like those, I forgot that I need to be vulnerable too. So I just think, you know, this is like a very, very meaningful conversation to be had. Yeah. And I think even, even the act of seeking out mentorship, even the mm-hmm. act of asking your, your company to help pay for that, I suppose, is in itself an act of vulnerability that yeah. I could imagine that I wouldn't have been able to do it myself when yeah. I first became yeah. a manager to say, oh, I'm going to say to the people around me, I need, I need support in doing this. Yeah. And there's plenty of managers like C-levels who probably maybe are not the most effective managers, um, but they can't get themselves to to get to that level of vulnerability to ask for help. Charlene, you've been the benefactor of a good manager. You want to pay it forward. Well, then there's this other Mm -hmm. side where people just don't recognize that they need help. And then therefore, their direct reports are on the receiving end of bad management. (laughs) And and kind of, you know, there's a vicious cycle of bad managers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping to be like a role model for my team members such that when they become managers, they then had at least, you know, had experience like, oh, like, you know, what I hope is like, oh, like they'll look back to this time, right? And they're like, oh, like, you know, this was an experience that I had and I really like certain things that Charlene did. And I'm going to try to kind of bring those values into my own management style when they go develop their own teams. So that's that's something that is very heartwarming for me to think about. And maybe that's actually your measure of success of being a manager, right? Down the road, 10 years from now that, you know, you see one of your direct reports become a manager and, you know, and used you as their mental model of what a great manager should be. Mm -hmm. 
And technically, my mentor is kind of indirectly mentoring my <laughs> team members through me because I'm kind of preaching some of our shared values and principles. It's like a managerial family tree. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and now our listeners as well are gaining from all of your experience and in your mentor's experience and uh, presumably his... Yeah, um, we're being a multiplier effect here too. <laughs> exactly. His mentor's experience yes. as well. So yes. um, thank you so much. I really do think it was um, really helpful insights and advice, especially for people who are first-time managers, but for for others as well. So thank you for for spending so much time speaking with us, Charlene. And uh, before we go, is there um, if if um, listeners are wanting to learn more about you or or, or what you do, um, where can they find you? I think LinkedIn would be the best. LinkedIn slash Leung L E U N G. Charlene, C-H-A-R-L-E-N-E. And that's the link to my LinkedIn profile. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Charlene. I was really impressed by Charlene and how quickly she she got um, through the journey of starting out completely anxious, completely uncertain. And in a process of nine months, getting to a much better place. Um, and it seems like she's definitely on the right track. Yeah, and I would say that what allowed her to learn so quickly was this theme of vulnerability. And I think we can largely summarize um, that theme into three takeaways. I would say the first one is just putting yourself in that state of vulnerability, being um, able to recognize that you don't know everything and you don't have to learn everything immediately um, and cutting yourself um, some slack. And she's, I think she said that herself. And once you do that, then you open yourself up to asking for help, right? She surrounded herself with um, the mentors and the resources that she needed to help her learn in that process. Yeah, I really liked her example, which I can totally relate to, of being in a situation where you cause discomfort or or unhappiness for someone else. In this case, a team member she had a one-on-one with and she gave feedback to. And her describing how she used to, it would have been something that would have caused her to lie awake at night before. And um, because she was able to admit to herself, you know, her own limits um, and accept them, then she was able to let it go in a way and move forward. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the second dimension of vulnerability that she really modeled, I think, was learning to be vulnerable with her team. And I'm really glad that she, you know, discovered the solution to her uncertainties and lack of experience maybe with management wasn't just to learn everything and become the expert immediately. It was also to recognize and, and admit where she wasn't sure yet and her learning that she didn't need to put on a fake front of competence all the time, I think was really important. Her being able to admit to her team um, when she didn't know, um, to be authentic really, because I think it creates a barrier when when we're inauthentic. I think people know when you're putting on a false front for them. And one effective way to be a leader is to be authentic, to be vulnerable, um, and to bring people in and bring them on a journey when you're trying to solve something together. Yeah, and I think she really saw that as a barrier to her building those relationships. And as soon as she, you know, vocalized, you know what, I don't know, 
Um, but we're going to figure this out together. And then that's when I think you start seeing the shift happen in, in, in her ability to build those relationships um, with her direct reports. Um, but I would say kind of the last takeaway is just her building that relationship with her direct reports um, isn't enough. And then she takes it one step further and she realizes that her direct reports also need to be vulnerable with each other um, in order for that complete psychological safety, um, that environment um, to be in place for her entire team. And so she shares uh, kind of her methods to allow her direct reports to also be okay to admit to each other um, when they need help, right? When they don't know something. Um, and I think she talks about um, the brain trust. And, 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 and so I, I think that's also very, very important when it comes to vulnerability. Yeah, it creates a community where people are willing to take risks, willing to ask each other for help, um, willing to, to innovate and try new things because when they fail, they know that there's an environment where everyone admits they fail sometime. And if you have created an environment where no one can admit they fail, then it's an environment where people won't take risks, won't ask each other for help. And so that's really important. It's really important for building community within a team to, to echo what uh, Charlene Lee said in episode nine. And yeah, I think that's um, a really amazing set of takeaways around vulnerability and something that I, admittedly I'm still working on. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, those listeners out there who are just starting their journey, it looks, it seems really, really scary. Um, but just look at Charlene in the nine months, she's come a long way. And that's all, you know, I think she gives credit to the fact that she recognizes vulnerability was key to her building those relationships and, and start, you know, managing her team in an effective way. So thanks again to Charlene for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for listening to yet another episode of You'll Manage. If your name is also Charlene and you would like to be in this podcast, um, we're on a roll here. So um, drop us a line on Twitter at You'll Manage or drop us an email at feedback at you'llmanage.com. And of course, if your name is not Charlene, we still invite you to, to um, share your feedback, share your questions. And we've been actually getting some listener voicemails as well. So on our next episode, we'll be featuring one of you. And um, if you also want to be featured, just record a voice a message and email it to us at feedback at yomanage.com. And if you love listening to this episode and our other episodes, um, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe. See you next time. Still listening? Here's an outtake from this episode. Clap. Clap. Okay. Hey, Charlene.